Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Podcast like it. Just podcast like it. Podcast like it's night. Hello and welcome to Podcast Like It's 1999, the podcast where we look back at the movies 1999 from our pod racer, pod racer here in <laughs> 2018. <laughs> That's it for the opening. This is uh, this is part two of our Star Wars Episode One Phantom Menace podcast with Supergirl writer Eric Carrasco. Um, you're Kenny Nybart. I am still Kenny Nybart. Uh, Phyllis Gove. And Eric is still Eric. Eric's still Eric. This is uh, something we are not recording right now. We split the first one into two, so we're going to jump right back into it. Thanks so for, thank you for coming in. back. Um, so I just want to rewind a little bit just for a second here because there's two little things that I love, which is that so the teaser trailer for Phantom Menace was released on selected screens accompanying Meet Joe Black on November 13th, 1998. Another movie that's about half an hour too long. It's an hour it's an, too it's long. It's a three-hour movie. <laughs> yeah. three How hour. long does he eat peanut butter for? In that Not movie? long enough. Um, and the media reported that people were paying full admission at theaters to see the trailer. To keep fans from leaving before the movie was over, some theaters played the teaser an additional time after the film was finished. A second trailer was released on March 12th, 1999 with the film Wing Commander, which we'll be covering. Crazy. We might cover it. We will be covering Two it. We have a guest years. already. Two... We have oh, a guest for right. Wing Commander. Well, yeah. <laughs> Kenny is so Co- disappointed that we have a guest for Wing a, Commander. Yeah. It's the only video. I think uh, Mark Hamill's in the Wing Commander video games, I want to say. It's the <laughs> only video game movie the whole year. Isn't that crazy? I know. Uh, again, many fans paid full uh, theater admission to watch the new trailer. A bootleg version of the preview was leaked on the internet the same it, day. Phil, it's about leg. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you're all fucking pleased with yourselves right now. A little now. bit. A little bit. <laughs> uh, 
The next morning, the trailer was released on the film's official website, <laughs> and shortly afterwards, the server became overloaded. I, uh, we set that trailer to download, and we went about our day. And we came back about six hours later to the downloaded Star Wars trailer, and I fully remember that day. It was, it was uh, formative. Also, oh, God, fire up the quick time. Was the trailer not on A Bug's Life? Because I distinctly remember going to see A Bug's Life and seeing the teaser trailer it, for it. It, it might have been. Or maybe it was just that. The, I don't know. But I it think was, it's possible that what, what has transpired here is that it was attached to those two films at the beginning and then yep. was attached to subsequent films was later Was it Bugs on. Life 1999? No, it was 98. Yeah. Oh, so maybe it makes sense. Um, the yeah. first teaser poster, which I will argue is probably one of the best teaser posters ever made. The greatest. Which, Kenny, do you remember I the totally teaser? agree with you. It is magnificent. Uh, was featuring Anakin and his shadow forming Darth Vader's silhouette was released on November 10th, 1998 after Lucas opted for a drawn theatrical poster. Drew Struzan, I believe is how you say his name. Mm-hmm. Um, the artist responsible for the special edition posters was commissioned to illustrate, and the poster was unveiled on March 11th, 1999. And Lucas, all the great posters. Like, dude, that's that's the guy. Although, that's... apparently he tried to do one for Force Awakens, and it didn't go so hot. <laughs> Worse than the solo ones that were stolen? <laughs> I don't know. Has anyone become that? That's also, that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Who'd they steal that's from? Like, I forgot. It's like a French artist so doing... Weird. Uh, there's a yeah. jazz collection. Yeah, like, jazz I want to say a French artist. Oh, yeah, it was like, it was like the art al- album yeah, covers. It was like Miles Davis. Album, album cover, yeah, yeah for like so different weird. eras of jazz. Yeah. That were exactly... That. I wonder if they Probably. settled that. I'm sure I'm they sure. paid. I'm sure they just paid them. it was an outside firm. It wasn't like it was, you know... Yeah. Disney marketing itself or anything. Yeah, um, you would want to have your guys do the solo movie. Nope. Farm, that, <laughs> farm that out. <laughs> Get someone else to do that nah. shit. Um, so that's all I've got in the ways of little pieces of rando trivia that I kind of love. So should we do it? Should we do this plot? I think we should just dive in and let you, you got some stuff from the we commentary. Dive no, in like a couple of you, Gungans. Uh, you know what? We can go in order. If you go through the scenes, yeah. if I have a fun fact well, for here's, it. Well, will... here's what I'm going to be honest about. I didn't do a, I mean, I have the, the, the beats Eric knows this film far better than Kenny and I, so I'm going to rely on him to fill in any sort of plot stuff along the way. Um, but the movie opens with a really boring scroll about uh, trade, federation. trade federations and shit. It's crazy. It's not the best crawl. No. I, I was watching The Phantom Menace with my roommate, Melissa, who is, like Eric, an apologist, and my dog, Margot. So I read the scroll to Margot. Less of an apologist. Less of an apologist. So I read the scroll aloud to Margot. I just did to my kids, too. And... Wow. When you read it out loud, it's just crazy town. The, I remember sitting in the theater and reading that. Yeah. And being like, okay, <laughs> guess this is what the movie's about. I think, I think universally that's how it's everyone like, felt I about guess it. guess this is what we're doing. I don't – every time I'm watching a new Star Wars movie, I'm incapable of paying attention to the crawl the first time I see it because I'm just like, I'm still getting settled. I'm yeah. still getting ready for the movie. I don't think I yeah, yeah. actually absorbed – the information I from know. it. I, I think I, I got like this, ambassadors. I feel this it. weird pressure <laughs> to like read every word of it like it matters. Yeah. It's yeah. really and that's why the Revenge of the Sith one is so great because it just starts with the word war exclamation war. point. War, and yeah. I instantly get that song stuck in my head and then that's the rest <laughs> well, of the crawl for me. Yeah. Um but I but weirdly, so as much as I hate crawls. Sure. Uh I really resented Solo for not having one. Like, kind of did. It just had a little thing. It had the blue. Yeah, I mean, the blue. They, they still haven't figured it out yet. How you do it without a scroll? Just do it. No. <laughs> Jesus. I also Jesus. really resented it for not having the hit, the Star Wars hit. Well, but you Rogue One did neither. It's sort like I Rogue hate, One oh, has. I'm not going to give away my rankings, but mm. yeah. Well, the Rogue One one has the title comes up and comes at you like the Star Wars yes. logo, but it's over an image instead of over space, and it's like. 
It's different, but, and it doesn't have the full Star Wars music. It has its own. Well, and it has like that Michael Giacchino theme, but it's on. It's just the yeah. the it's, image. Yeah, it's interesting. I want the music. I, I walk into a Star Wars <laughs> movie humming the song, and I want to walk out humming the song. I don't disagree. With I you. get so mm-hmm. excited. I, it's not great. The scroll sucks. Uh, but then the movie <laughs> opens with a small ship, which I kind negative of love. ten points. Right. Because, like, the Again. other ones all open with a big ship. It's the opposite ship. of what you're expecting. It's a little, it's they a get bigger ship. and bigger in the original trilogy. And and it's like, like, a little yep. ship. I kind of love that. Yeah. That was fun. Uh, we've talked about how terrible the accents of these aliens are. They're terrible. There's no excuse for it. Uh, fix it. Dumb it. <laughs> Do something about it. In Seriously. a world where we are changing <laughs> yeah. so much of these movies. It it's really not that Death. hard. In a world where we change the tractor beam from English to Aurabesh <laughs> yes. in yeah. A New Hope, we can change the, yeah. the Nemoidian accents. Um, I, I also said something that I think speaks to what you were saying about how <clears throat> the beginning of the movie is when we're when we cut inside the ship and it we're on those sound stages and it feels very tactile and it looks very similar to the old movies and you're sort of having this kind of jarring not in a bad way but this kind of blending of state of the art digital with the soundstage work, which unfortunately they seem to get rid of in the future movies and they're all just standing in a fucking green screen room. It was, it did make me sort of oddly nostalgic. Love it. Which is great. Yeah. But it's also amazing how great and awful these movies look. Like there's this, there's just, some of the effects don't look so hot. So you do find yourself being pulled out of it a little bit, but I mean, well, here's what I wrote. shit. I wrote, I can't believe they waited 16 years and then started with a story about trade federations and used <laughs> knockoff Jim Henson racist caricatures. Because they look they look like Dark Crystal characters, kind of. Yeah, their mouths don't even move. They're not even really synced you, up with their They're dogs. exactly they look like the same design as there is one alien in the cantina in Star Wars <laughs> that is a, a Duros alien. D-U-R-O-S. Um, I, I will they never, pulled it from there? For whatever reason, information from Star Wars sticks in my head like no other. I don't try to memorize this stuff. But anyway, there's this alien in A New Hope in the cantina. And it's just that design, but that was gray with red eyes, and these are green. And they're just the same design. It's lazy. It's like how one of the fucking dinosaurs in Jurassic Park is just a gremlin that they just changed. <laughs> it's like, guys, they look like, like, what um, are you doing? They look like Power Ranger villains, which, they, is, which is the meanest thing I could say about anything. <laughs> Outside of a Power Ranger villain? Yeah. Power Ranger villains are amazing. Anywhere else in the world, they're the worst things I can think of. Yeah. So, so Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon show up. For what they think is going to be some sort of negotiations. But then things go a little awry, and I can't really explain to you why they try to kill off these. Oh, because fucking Palpatine has to kill them? Yep. Just because? What's Palpatine? Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> no, What's I don't his know, fucking motive? He doesn't want them to be able What's to report back game? to Supreme Chancellor Valorum. Uh, and who, who apparently becomes, like, basically useless. Well, we're already at this point in the movie, we have questions, because it's like, were you expecting Jedi to be monks who live in monasteries somewhere and go out and try to help people? Nope, they work for the president. Uh, they are dispatched <laughs> oh, as ambassadors to yeah. a trade dispute, and that's, like, their role, which is not what I was expecting. Also, also a very good point. And and then they and then we've established that they have this weird role that you're maybe not expecting, and then they yeah, get there and they act sort of weird. And it's a very good point, and it's all lost on me because all that information came across matter of factly in the scroll. As it, yeah, you know, so they because it does. It says they dispatched the two Jedi. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, they dispatched. As if, I guess that's what as they if did. that's that's it. <laughs> as if that were the obvious choice. Yeah, for yeah. Jedi, you could have, but you could have done what you said, and you could have started them. As monks in a monastery, in a monastery, and you wouldn't have any idea 
then the president shows up. And <laughs> it's like, guys, you got to do that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's weird. It's sort of, and they do get into that in Attack of the Clones a little bit, like, like what the Jedi are supposed to do. I oh, will say yeah. that I don't, I don't love the chemistry, if that's the right word, between <clears throat> Liam and Ewan. Me neither. They don't really jive so hot. I actually, I, I actually think one of the better things that Hayden Christensen does is he at least has a chemistry with Ewan McGregor. He's not, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about that in a second or later, but I think that we, we, in we podcast, don't have like to. 2002. I was going to say, we don't have to, Phil. <laughs> but don't I just, feel the I, pressure to talk about I Hayden think, Christensen. We're going to talk a little bit about like, you know, the, the series as a whole a little bit later, at least in our rankings. But like, that's True. a, that's a, that's an issue. I think that this film struggles with, which is that it should feel like brothers or kind of or a father, father son, son, or, son or older brother, yeah, older it, brother. It doesn't it does, feel like that. It does to me later in this movie. It does to me later when when they're when it gets when the, the shit hits the fan. There a is a bit. good moment in the Jedi Council later when, yeah. quite surprisingly, to Obi Wan, Qui Gon's like, "I will train the boy." Then, right. and it's just like, and Obi Wan's standing there like the fuck am i like you know and like he has a moment where he registers like oh he's done with me he's got yeah. the shiny new toy and then they have a conversation afterwards where it's like you know you're a, you're jedi. a great jedi yeah. and like you you know you, you will go on to do great things and they like have this moment that yeah. like they yeah. have a sort of father-son relationship yeah not in that first scene also go- wait, also there- good when the when the i don't know what they're called but the doors the see-through red Doors, yes, yeah, the, the barriers. When, when you when you and is trapped, yes. So it's just Qui Gon against, um, which is great. Darth Maul, and you see it on his face. How scared he is to lose him. That was yeah. good. That, not that not just good. Uh, not just scared to lose him. Which is there's like three moments in there that I love, which we can get into. When we talk about the fight if you want to save it. But yeah. we'll, when we get all there, right, all right, let's we'll say, we'll say it. I just I I think that it's it's weird. Ewan's trying. I actually think they're both trying. I think something is getting lost in. The blocking, the way it's directed, the way it's edited, that it's 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 sucking any chemistry that might exist between these two. I do guys. like his. The, you were right about one thing, Master. The negotiations were short. I do like that. Yeah, the, no, it, it, it is maybe not. He says it with such a smirk, though. But yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. and it's it's Ewan. You know, it's yeah. but it's part. But like, I feel like you could easily, if it were not Carrie Fisher, I recognized your foul stench when I was brought on board as. You there's know, not a legendary line unless it's Carrie. You know, so. there's a um, a video that I, I you might have even seen. I'm sure you have uh, from the Moulin Rouge red carpet when you and McGregor finds out that episode two is being called Attack of the Clones, and he just goes, "What? I have I have definitely not <laughs> and then seen this." You and, and Nicole's like with him and she's like what he's like the second who's called attack of the clones and she just starts <laughs> fucking laughing oh man uh, um i love him i do too but it's just like even he's just like what the fuck is this shit but anyway yeah. uh i like the new droids when do you think he started regretting his decision first answer the, the re- no no way. i think he was having a fucking blast all he I talks think... about all they both talk about is how the first time yeah. he and liam tur- like had to, to do a lightsaber fight, fight that they were they you know yeah. We're going. That's great. And no, making the sound effects it. themselves, and then we're like, "Oh, you guys add those in later, right?" Because <laughs> okay. okay. they were well, kids. They, were kids, they right? added most of them, but if you're shooting a gun, you do have to go pew pew pew. pew. Well, you know who did that? <laughs> that was my joke. 
Lord 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 so the aliens communicate with uh with Padme, who basically isn't having their shit, and she's like, "What the, what the fuck is going on?" Um, and then she loses communication with Senator Palpatine, and I think it's Valorum that says, "What's the line like? A loss of communication can only mean one thing: invasion." Oh, that's a uh, Governor Bibble. <laughs> my apologies. Egg all over my face. This is why you're here. See, Bibble. <laughs> Um, oh, a fun, a fun, a fun drinking game is we should go through. I hope there's a list somewhere or something, or you could just go through quotes by character on IMDb. Maybe a fun drinking game is to go through everything Captain Panaka says in this movie, because every single line of dialogue he speaks is the most sky is falling, doom and gloom. Really? Everything he says is a, we're all going to die. This is the worst. Like, sounds like like my spirit animal. It's amazing. Um, I, I think that this this brings me to uh, I think, and this is a prequel problem. So I don't I don't necessarily think that this is something that could it could have the, the problem could have been lessened a little bit. But uh, we know Palpatine's the bad guy, so there's no tension in that reveal. Um, we also know he's the bad guy because he looks like literally every bad guy in this movie. They are yeah, all old that, that British help. white guys. So it's this I, I know that it's a prequel and I know that this is just information that, you know, it's it's the it's the wink of what does Palpatine say to Anakin at the end? I will watch your career with we'll watch your career with great interest. Right. We're just like I, I get it, but it's like it's it's a problem because you can't have a mustache twirling villain in a hood who like keeps showing up in holograms. It's just, it just I seem work. to remember that there was some confusion at the time yeah. over whether or not Darth Sidious and Palpatine, who are clearly the same person, were in fact the same person. Right. Like I, I, right. I, but I remember because we knew. I mean, they just call him the Emperor in Return of the Jedi. Didn't call her Emperor Palpatine. Like we knew that from action yeah. figures and yeah. culture around these movies. Right. And so, like, you didn't necessarily know right. that Palpatine was the Emperor unless you recognized this actor. Um, who's very good in these of all the actors great. of all the actors in the prequels in McDermott, yes. especially in, in his opera scene in revenge of the Sith. Absolutely. Maybe, Although that maybe scene, not so much in the unlimited power, but that, I, I, I have questions about that opera, but we can anyway, have yeah, that. We, it's blobs of, that's for our midi Is that blobs of, of like pulsating? Yeah. Water. The Mon Calamari opera that they do. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> moving on, uh, Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan land on Jar Jar's planet. And Qui-Gon saves his life. Um, I think that was the worst effects in the movie. I don't know if you would agree. It was brutal. It was, that shit looked fucking terrible. Um, but anyway. Um, so they go down to uh, Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon go to Gung, is it called Gungan City? Like, Oda Gunga. Uh, yeah, listen. I'm going to call it Gungan City. You could just Gun- call it the Gungan City. <laughs> yep. I'm pretty sure it's just a Gungadin reference. So yeah, is it? I'm almost. I mean, it's a favorite of Spielberg and George Lucas, and I just <laughs> wow. I can't. I have to assume. And my it's, like, it's a Gungadin thing. So there you go. Oh really? He thinks Gungadin's the greatest movie ever made. It might be. I've never seen it. Neither have uh, I. 
So what's the what's the character's name? The, the yes, ca- it is. Well, so is my dad. What's the, no, I'm kidding, Dad. <laughs> what's Jesus. what's the character's name that's running uh, Gungadin? What's the the guy who's like, Boss Nass? Who is what's he, what's up with the like spitting and the like? Here's what I remember shaking his jowls. Here's what I remember about my experience watching this movie as a ten year old. A ten year old who was very excited to be seeing this movie. Sure. A ten year old who'd waited in line for many days for for nearly a week for this movie who had had lightsaber fights in the line for this movie with a guy dressed up as Darth Maul and stuff so i was again going to love this movie uh-huh i remember in the theater not having such a problem with jar jar but thinking that boss nass was not my, not my favorite. He's, he's embarrassing. The effects do not hold up remotely not the way all. Jar Jar's do. Even Watto's are better than he, his. Watto, I think, holds up better than yeah. Jar Jar. He's like. an embarrassing character. I will, you know, as, as it often happens, I will relate this to my wrestling fandom. There are often mm. characters in wrestling that are just so embarrassing that if someone saw them on the TV and walked in the room while I was watching, <laughs> yeah. I would just be like, they're indefensible. Mm. I don't know how to handle this. There's, there's a cast character named Bastion Booger. There is a character named Doink the Clown who was a wrestling clown. If you came in and watched a Bastion Booger versus Doink the Clown match, you would think that I am the biggest idiot of all time. Now, <laughs> that being a said. character like Boss... What's Nass, his name? Yeah. Boss Nass falls into the same kind of thing. Like you knew that everyone in the world who's a Star Wars fan was going to watch this movie and potentially be judging you, a massive Star Wars fan, by its worst characters, and and that I, I would imagine is a very similar effect. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah, a hundred percent. It's an embarrassing Brian thing to watch. Blessed is the voice. I think. I don't know. It's like it's not. It's not like a bad voice performance. It's just a why is he? He shakes yeah. his jowls, which is. Just, why? Why are you doing this, to us, George Lucas? We love you so much. Why are you? Why are you putting this humiliating character on screen that I'm going to have to defend? I I keep coming back to in my head, trying to not defend it, but trying to understand it, and it does come back to the kids thing. I do think that Lucas's thought process was, I'm you know, kids are going to grow up with these movies. So a kid that was say ten. That goes to see a hypothetical could name ten name. Let's just call him Eric. Let's call him Eric. Eric's <laughs> going to grow up with this movie, right? So by the time you get to two thousand and five, and you're now fifteen or sixteen years old, and in theory, you know the movie gets pretty dark. So he's kind he of J.K. Tra- Rowling it a little bit. Like I do think that he's slowly, incrementally getting you to a place, and not you specifically, although kind of you specifically, to walk you through this now. The the issue, unfortunately, is that I don't necessarily feel that that A New Hope or I mean, I guess Empire is relatively dark, but none of these movies are. And you've watched them with your kids, so I, on some level, and I watched Solo with with them, and we right. watched you watched Fourth, Rogue One. Force Awakens, and not Rogue One, Force Awakens, okay. and Last Jedi, which okay. they're not kids' movies, but right. they're kids' movies. No. This is kind of why I feel like he just I think he. He just played a little too young on Phantom Menace, and because of that, you have the Jar Jars and the and whatever this character. Cyn- it's is. cynical. It I really mean, is. maybe, maybe, but you think you think that, but then also, like, if you're making this movie for kids and you think I'm going to talk down to these kids, I'm going to give them a POV character, I'm going to give them funny cartoon characters who spit and mm-hmm. and you know poop jokes at one point. Fart in the movie. jokes. Like if you, yeah. There's yeah, a EOP that, yeah, that farts at the potters. And then Charger's um, like, oh my God. And it's then like, well, we're really doing this? Yeah, is the line. Yeah. P-U-S-A. 
But so listen, if you're gonna do all that, but like at the same time, I don't think he's Can making he these for like little kids because what, he is clearly who, who expects a very little kid to sit through a prolonged Senate debate. It's like well, he, that's I mean, it becomes weirdly yeah. a C-SPAN thing in the middle of the movie. A C-SPAN that I really like watching because the production design of the Senate the is Senate's so great. Cool. We're, we're all TV writers, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. Sometimes there are these first draftish ideas that just work, even if they're not interesting. Placeholders, yeah, yeah. that just work. They get the story, and sometimes they actually make it to the to the screen. And you're like, well, I mean, it's 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 not incompetent. It's Here just un, are, it's yeah. just uninteresting, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, that's what this feels like to me. Like it works. Like yeah. I get it within the world. Like the like the the A to B to see the plotting works. It's just uninteresting. Yeah, I'm talking about the trade. Yeah, no, I get so, that. Yeah, so. yeah. I, I just I I think that to, to to answer your question a little bit, I think he's this film is trying to do too much, and on some level, kind of feels like I mean, if we're to take the footage that was in that documentary, maybe Lucas sensed that. You know, maybe I went too far. Maybe some things he he talks about in that documentary, the vacillation of tone, you know, hairpin turns of just sort of going from like, you know, Qui-Gon's dead here to Pratt Falls in the middle of a, of a war. It's just it's, yeah. it's just doing all sorts of crazy shit. Yeah. And you're just like, you know, OK, I guess that's what we're doing. Um, all right, so they go down to to, to Gunga Town and, uh, and and they meet. <laughs> yeah, that's his fucking name, Baz. Bring it on, Baz Lerman. Baz Lerman. That's one hundred percent Baz Lerman. He uh, loved you and so much he brought him to Moulin Rouge. <laughs> so uh, Qui Gon's able to uh, convince him to give him Jar Jar, basically. Yeah, because he's got a life debt or something to that effect. Uh, they go to Naboo. I don't know what's what's the, the imaginations of plot that get them to Naboo from from there. So they are they're on Naboo, the planet. They're trying to get to feed the city where well, but wait, Queen they Amidala from, is. They go from Gungan Town to Naboo, but my question well, is, they, why do they go there? The Gungan city is on Naboo, just underwater. Oh, it's underwater. Oh, there and you they're go. going okay. the the they can't go above ground because it's crawling with droids. And so Boss Nass is mind tricked by Qui Gon. Is like mm-hmm. you can go through the planet core. Mm-hmm. So somehow the hol- the planet. Core is a hollow underwater thing, and they're able to fly through it in their bongo, and then they surface. Yeah, I mean, I liked all the underwater shit. I thought those underwater creatures were pretty cool. I thought they were cooler than the similar creature that we have in Solo. Um, when they're trying to remember that in Solo, when they're trying to get out from yeah. the, you know, I, I don't know. They're they looked, neat. they look cool. I thought were, anyway, they're neat. They look cool. There's uh, always a bigger fish. Loved R2's entrance. R2, I, I, cool. I honestly think that, that got a big it's cheer. impossible to fuck up R2. That always gets a big it cheer. It is impossible to fuck up R2. I honestly think R2-D2 is just always fucking perfect. Yeah, People did say they did in Attack of the Clones yeah, when, when he has the little the rockets, jack, the when he rockets. gets the booster rockets. Who cares? It's fucking R2. That's sure, he's got, he's got booster rockets. That whole sequence, though, of the conveyor belt craziness in Attack of the Clones is full-on nonsense. Where it's like C-3PO's head gets put in all these. I was like, oh, my God. What the fuck? <laughs> the, C- the C-3PO head swap might be my least favorite scene in all of these movies. It's it's really bad. He, at one point, he says, I'm quite beside myself. That's pretty funny. his head is. That's, 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 that's no that's, more Mr. Knife In cast. a vacuum. Yeah. <laughs> no more Mr. Knife cast. Oh, boy. I mean, I, here's the thing, too. I think it became clear to them that, okay, C-3PO is going to be our Jar Jar. He always was. <laughs> So let's just lean into it. And Jar Jar be- was supposed to be a very important character he in this was. trilogy. Mm-hmm. And then they, they 
well, minimize he sets things him. in motion well, yeah, in the yeah, second yeah. one, is, unintentionally. Maybe not a lot of screen time later, but very pivotal. I think he does show up in the third, like, for one scene, right? Uh, I don't know. Is he in yeah. the Sith? He I think he's non-speaking role. Yeah. <laughs> no, really, I think he just shows you, up. You just like some... see him. Yeah. He might, you know what, I think there's an ADR movie movie. Oh. I, think, I think you hear, like, oi, oi, as he walks past. <laughs> And that's it. It's something like that. They should have made him. They should have turned him bad. Mooey, <laughs> mooey. Anyway, he's a Sith, of course. Back to wrestling. Find out episode nine. Oh, back boy. to wrestling. If there was a character like Georgia that came out, you expect him to be a big, happy, big, a big face. They would call it a big fan favorite, and he got that reaction. By the second movie, he would have been hitting people with chairs. <laughs> yes. He would he would hit yeah, Anakin in the back card, of the head yeah. with a chair. Yeah. He would have run him over the car, <laughs> and everyone would have been booing him. He would have been Palpatine by the end of this. So, um, there is a future episode uh, to our listeners where Kenny gets real deep with one of our guests on wrestling. So much so that I get I get quiet for like forty five minutes of that podcast. Oh yeah, point, it was just, just like I, just, I don't know. We what's randomly happening. found a wrestling fan guest, um, but it was great. Um, so don't worry, guys. There's more there's where that came from. Came <laughs> um, so R two shows up. He's fucking dope. He's awesome. Uh, they land on Tatooine with Amidala in tow, with Padme in tow at this point. We should get t-shirts made up. R2 shows up. He's fucking dope. Fucking dope. <laughs> well, I, mean, I mean, the front of the shirt is R2 shows up. The back he's of the shirt fucking is fucking dope. dope. He is. He's always, he's he's the, greatest. always the greatest. Yes. Great. We'll remember that when we make our merch. Um, yeah. uh, we've talked about Jake Lloyd, but it's it's a problem. It's it's <laughs> it's It really is just... And the truth is that when you see a great child performance, and there have, I mean, listen, Natalie gives one in the professional that's fucking amazing. Iconic. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's possible. It's happens all the time. I just, especially don't these days, know that Lucas cared. He just wanted him to be a cute kid. Like I, and, and that seems to be just the 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 whole thing. It's like, oh, he's cute, right? He's got a little bowl cut. I'm sure, I'm sure he cared, and I'm sure he cast who he thought was going to be the best in the world. Yeah, I'm sure I, he I, did. And... I don't exactly know the particulars of how yeah, it happened, but I mean, he certainly, yeah. Wait, can you go back to the R2-D2 thing? Yes, I do have a quote for that from the commentary, yeah, yeah. which is Ewan describing what it was like to see R2-D2 for the first time. Amazing. And it was, he apparently he was in like the props place, and he like freaked out, like audibly, <laughs> like completely geeked out, and like says he screamed, and the props people for their part were completely understanding of this we get it we totally get it we've been there and he said it was a bit like meeting the queen (laughs) was kenny baker inside very special to him i think it's probably just the empty can (laughs) he he met a very important trash can (laughs) that's that reminds me of my uh the thick from the thick of it the quote by Malcolm, what's his face? Yeah, the the petal bin, the petal bin, <laughs> the petal bin, the yeah. fucking hairdresser. It's Peter the, Capaldi is big. His fucking yeah. sister. I, you've seen this quote, the the Star Wars explanation that in the thick of no. it. Oh, I'll play for you when we're Peter off, Capaldi Mike. has it a profanity laden oh, summary of the Star Wars movie that is, that is unbelievable, oh and I will play it for you when we're off, Mike. Um, so we get to Tatooine. Um, Amidala goes with them. They don't know that it is her. The switcheroo has has transpired. Yeah. Uh, serious question: Is the audience supposed to be fooled by this? I'm assuming so. Uh, yeah, I want to say yes. <laughs> I think. I don't. I don't know. I don't know not. how that's possible. No, you know what? No, I take it back. I take it back because because that runner that I was talking about liking with her and yeah. Qui Gon, 
you're supposed to take the tension away from that of knowing that's the queen who's standing with him and he's bad mouthing the queen. Okay, but I, I think you you're supposed to the read that, with that and, right? right? Which is that Qui Gon and Obi Wan look like fucking morons <laughs> yeah. who have magical psychic powers. Also, but, like, like it's a big whether or not like <laughs> how could you not want the moment when she reveals herself to Boss Nass to hit Boss yeah. his us the same way it hits Boss okay. Nass. No, no, yeah. So it's, it's but of course it's. She, I'm 99% sure Natalie Portman was in promotional materials as Queen Amidala. We, I, and I think Padme Amidala, too. So when she goes by Padme in those scenes. Padme, like, yeah, right, yeah, right. Yeah, I think, I think she's like, well, I can't remember, yeah. but I think they announced her character as Padme Amidala. So no confusion there if you saw uh, promos. I mean, all. I think like, I think I may have at the time thought slash hoped it was a sister or a twin. Um because I couldn't it's believe insane. that they would try to pull the wool over It is really eyes. funny to go back, though, to the scene where Padme, right before R2-D2 shows up, where she's like, go, or right after, where she's like, go clean those R2 units. And in hindsight, it, or, or even in the moment, if you realize it, Kira Knightley, the handmaid, is telling it's amazing. Is telling her queen to go Selling clean the some cons. R2 units. I, like, I do like the version in my head where George Lucas thinks that he's pulling like a Tyler Durden situation here. And that like people's minds are going to be blown when they realize that. But anyway. Uh, so they go down to Tatooine. Uh, Jar Jar pisses off some, some aliens in the market. And Anakin. Some Boba. An especially dangerous dog called Sabolba. What a what a weird coincidence! Oh so the, 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 the other the, greatest yeah. pod the most racer famous pod racer in the, world. In the, the galaxy. Guy he pisses off. Uh, well, Anakin takes Qui Gon. That's the kind of stuff I love. Yeah. I, I love you're it on record yes, now saying yes, you love the true. small world stuff. So. I do. I love. I love stupid coincidences. <laughs> so Anakin takes Qui Gon. Obi oh Obi Wan's on the ship still. He doesn't actually go down. Obi Wan is back on the ranch. He For is a very the long whole middle of the time. movie. This was... is the this is Obi <laughs> motherfucking one Kenobi. Yeah. And you, yeah. why did he not go with them? Why is he not part of the action? There's no one, including Han Solo. There's no one more badass in those Star Wars movies than yeah. oh, than Ben Kenobi. Right. Like he's amazing, and and you're just testing. He fucking cuts someone's arm off in a bar ben, like immediately. Old Ben Kenobi. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's the one, the, the, the family guy old special ben. where he goes, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Do you think they mean old Obi-Wan Kenobi? <laughs> <laughs> it's well hidden. And he, he, hides, he hides Luke under uh, the Skywalker name. Ah, uh, kid too. loves yeah, it. That's amazing. Great. Yeah. But yeah, it's true. No one does a good job hiding identities <laughs> the, in, in the this series at all. Identity hiding. With over 60 film and television appearances, Julia Roberts is perhaps the most famous actress of our generation. You know you love her. We love her, too. And during this year's Hollywood Fringe Festival, you can get closer to everyone's favorite pretty woman, and you won't even need something ready to wear. This June, the Asylum Theater Company at the McAdam Place Theater proudly presents The Complete Works of Julia Roberts, a parody musical. The Complete Works of Julia Roberts follows Jessica, a young woman just trying to make it on her own in L.A. when her many life obstacles drop into her lap all at once. Jessica is surprised to find herself accepting guidance when the iconic roles of her favorite actress come to life in her living room. Take a journey with Jessica as all her and your favorite Julia Roberts moments come to life in song in this hilarious ode to America's sweethearts. If you're in the Los Angeles area, head over to HollywoodFringe.org for tickets to see the runaway hit of the summer. And here is the hook. No need to be a money monster to purchase tickets because our listeners can use the exclusive code PODCAST99 for a special discount. That's 
discount code PODCAST99 when you purchase your tickets through HollywoodFringe.org and click on the show page, The Complete Works of Julia Roberts, A Parody Musical. Tickets are on sale now, so buy your tickets before they sell out, because it's no wonder this world premiere is giving audiences something to talk about. Thank you so much for supporting Sounds this like show. Sounds like a very good idea. It's a fun show. Yeah, you should you- go and see it. You should get tickets. Also, just as a side note, it's a podcast with a capital P. So Podcast 99 is the discount code. Podcast 99, capital P. So um, there you go. And it's 99 is in the number 99. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. Check it out. It's a great show. 1999. So Obi-Wan's stuck on the fucking ship. Fucking ship. Stuck on the fucking ship. Doing ultimately not a whole lot. He, he does. He, At one point, he appears to be taking a screwdriver to the hyperdrive. <laughs> just like, just like <laughs> he's just doing business. Yeah. <laughs> he's just so he doesn't really do much. They, he does send him the, the fucking blood sample, though, which we'll get to. Um, so we do get to have pivotal. him p- pivotal. Um, so uh, Anakin takes Qui-Gon, Padme, Jar Jar back to his place. Um. And we have a dinner scene, yes. lunch scene. I don't know. Lunch, maybe. You know, so funny it feels like daylight it. because there's a sandstorm, but then it probably is like a dinner. It's scene. so funny that you should say like when when I think about how long it's like what the passage of time is on Tatooine. It feels like days. Yes, it does. It's but at it's, least, but it's like two an afternoon. Or th- well, no, because it does one night passes that we see because they they test his blood. That's at night, and then they wake up the next day and they like work yeah. on the pod racer. So it's at least two days, but maybe more. But why? So so you and and there's someone else on the ship. There's some other guy, right? Yeah, on the ship with Obi Wan. Yeah, yeah. It's it's all, all of her. Re- it's, it's, it's it's negative. The, it's Nancy, <laughs> Captain Panaka, Panaka. Yeah, who keeps saying things like, "This is a fight. I do not. This is a battle. I do not think we could win." Yeah. Like Captain Panaka. I do wish Great though. Breath. I kind of wish we got a little more time on the ship with the two of them. I feel like they probably had some drinks. Just, I feel yeah. like it's so weird. But it's, it's a shot contest. It's such a weird space. Yeah. But anyway, so that happens. Um, and. In terms of the machinations of plot, I'm just trying to remember. Basically, you've got the whole Watto situation. We meet Anakin for the first time. Padme meets Anakin for the first time. You know, he goes, yippee. And, you know, there's that kind of stuff that happens. Their ship took a hit. They're trying to get parts to replace their ship. They go to Watto. And Watto's like... Watto's not going to work with them. He won't take Republic credits. He will not be fooled by a Jedi mind trick. Which is fucking stupid. (laughs) Don't you think it's fucking stupid that Jedi mind trick oh works God. on everybody in the universe except for Watto? And Jabba. And Jabba? And Jabba. Jabba and Watto. I mean, that, like, how good is a Jedi mind trick then? It only works on these moron guards. Yeah. It's pretty effective. It's, uh, uh, on it morons. Has, yeah, on the weak I better work. I, I bet it works on Jar Jar. <laughs> a clumsy sure. idiot. Off screen, they were doing nothing but compelling Jar Jar to do what they wanted. It's so, just... It's really dumb to me it doesn't work on Wada. Like I it, I think it's a fun scene. I, I like I still get a little chuckle out of that. I think it's a little bit It's fun. fine. There's I also mean, a two thousand one so Space Odyssey pod in the background of that junkyard, which is that's cool. Huh. Yeah. I, I mean, but Anakin is essentially Watto's slave. Anakin oh, 100%, is Watto's he is. slave. And his, and his mom. Shmi, yeah. Shmi, okay. Shmi Skywalker too, yeah. So Qui-Gon has to convince Watto to essentially let him bet on the pod race for parts. Right, that's kind of the, yeah. The He's off. He puts ship. his ship up as collateral. Right, his it's a J Type three two seven new fucking ship. It's a beautiful so that's ship. yeah, 
It looks yeah. like the Silver Surfer. It, uh, it, it looks like a, the ship that looks like a man. <laughs> 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 so, uh, okay. So then we have we cut to. It looks w- like the fucking Concorde to me. It's, it's just beautiful. Like, it's gorgeous. It's really sleek. It's really yeah. Um, the Nambu Starfighters are cool. We too. cut Everything to Darth Maul and Palpatine talking. Mm-hmm. Peter, Seraph, and Awakens. Yes. Uh, at last, we'll have our revenge. Revenge for what, Eric? For, if you've read the comic books that were at the time not canon either, and they they definitely aren't now, uh-huh. uh, an ancient Jedi Sith war, uh-huh. which okay. is also commemorative commemorated in carvings on Palpatine's wall in Revenge of the Sith. If you've read the Visual Dictionary, listen, it's that all stuff backstory. doesn't bother me. It's that's, all backstory uh, you don't know. No, I, well, but, I mean, why would it? I appreciate the kind world of building. Thing that's like I a find, bit of uh, yeah, it's a bit you, of world building. Hold on, I'm not against the idea of backstory or that there's a you just you can't you can't drop a line like we're going to get our revenge finally and then not at any point in this prequel series explain to me what that fucking is revenge it, is. Isn't, isn't, and the Jedi isn't do that say like they've Game been of a- Thrones season 1? Just kidding. JK guys. JK bro. <laughs> wow, do we I'm definitely uh, not stepping to anyway, Game of Thrones. Anyway, um so now we get the scene with um Anakin, sorry, with Qui-Gon and Anakin's mom, Shmi. Yes. Uh, where she explains that he just manifested. In there her, was no father in her yeah. womb. We get into very biblical stuff with with mostly steered away from biblical stuff in the original trilogy. So yeah. it's, it's very interesting. They go for it now, complete with red devil with horns. Like, yeah, it gets very Judeo Christian all of a sudden. It does. Yeah. I I don't At know. Least what Watto to... didn't have horns. <laughs> yeah. I'm Jewish hey. people. I do whatever I want. <laughs> um i don't know how i feel about the immaculate conception of it all it's a little bit it just it doesn't feel like this this i was gonna say this show but it doesn't feel like this series i I don't know it is interesting it's new Mm -hmm. it is interesting that the person who is immaculately immaculately conceived Mm -hmm. is the devil biggest villain in film history it's very pointed like something there there is the part of george lucas that is always sort of a vietnam protesting filmmaker a guerrilla filmmaker Mm -hmm. the guy who's filming the Altamont concert like there's always Mm -hmm. that part of george lucas i think that is a kind of rebel that kind of has anti-establishment ideas and i think this is one of them like that's interesting beware i think there is a bit of a beware of it's it's I was going to say beware of religion, but that's not really what I mean. It's beware of false idols. Mm-hmm. That's really what I think he's getting at sure. here. And sure. I think that's a very the most, good lesson for life. The most interesting thing in these prequels is that he places the – he gives you two Jedi you're supposed to like, Qui-Gon mm-hmm. and Obi-Wan. And he gives you Anakin, a kid you're supposed to root for. And he puts the rest of the Jedi you see in opposition to them. Including Yoda. That's true. And so he's got, they're literally in an ivory tower. It is a like a white spire on, yeah. in Coruscant. They live in an ivory, ivory tower and they just sort of sit there and like debate stuff. Yeah. And across the three movies. So what, it's basically a writer's room. They end up, yeah. They have a, they have a writer's room. The very <laughs> oh, not man. comfortable with very bad yeah. chairs. No it, one's it taking seems. notes. And <laughs> you didn't, yeah. Yeah, no. One. The, yeah. the guy who looks like Mugatu is going to make a Kiati no. movie no. joke. That's one of the that's the, well, one the, the cone, that's, that's the cone head. Yeah, uh, um, 
Okay. Anyway, point is, but like they, they across these three movies, they're the ones who are manipulated. They are the ones who have this very staid, very chaste, like right. very hermetic. Like you're not allowed to love. It's it's restrictive, and so the movies almost sort of seem to be like a Protestant Reformation story. Weirdly, of like they got way too structured. Yeah. And that led to their downfall. And now in the original trilogy, we're supposed to have this more laid back attitude about the force. Yeah, no, that all tracks if that's your bag. Lay back attitude and a healthy skepticism of it. Yes. Yeah. Right. I think we're supposed to have a healthy, a healthy skepticism of all this. You can understand why the Jedis aren't conquering mm-hmm. heroes in the second – or I mean in the original trilogy. Yeah. Having seen they are steeped in rules and rituals, and they are doing a thing that religious figures probably shouldn't do, which is like be very, very entwined with the government. Yeah, political. So here we are, Eric, at midi chlorins. Okay, talk to me to define or sorry, defend why you think that. Well, should define them first. Yeah, okay, do both. So (laughs) midi chlorines, yeah, are not my favorite thing. Uh huh. I like the mysticism of the Force. I like all that Yoda stuff from Empire Strikes Back. Sure. Midi-chlorians have this kind of reputation for demystifying the Force. Mm-hmm. They had That they are the Force, that they take the place of the Force, that we have boiled this mystical energy field mm-hmm. created by all living things yes. into paramecium things, like mm-hmm. into little cellular sure. like microorganisms. I don't – that's explicitly not what they say in this movie. They say that midi-chlorians are how we talk to the Force. They tell us the will of the Force. Uh-huh. And that's like part of the theme of this – the theme of this entire movie is symbiotic relationships, is biology all working together, people having to depend on people, on other species, on other cultures. Uh-huh. And that is what the Naboo and the Gungans are all about. And that is what this whole movie is about. And so, I mean, Qui-Gon very directly sets to Anakin – they communicate the will of the Force to us. So yeah. they are part of the living organisms that the Force surrounds and penetrates and okay. the galaxy bound together. And so I don't think they demystify it so much. Somewhere out there is still the mystical energy field that we can't explain, the the, the will of God. And through these microorganisms who live inside our cells, we're able to communicate with it. Okay. I mean, I guess ultimately it comes down to a pretty simple thing here, right? Which is they needed some sort of a metric, some sort of a barometer to be able to point to, to say, why are we going to steal this child from his mom and turn him into a Jedi? So I understand the, the perp. I'm sorry, Kenny, I, I didn't mean to cut you off. Um, the purpose that the, the, the midichlorians serve from a plot and a story perspective is clear to me. It's lazy. And it does okay. demystify the force, in my humble opinion. I would argue... You don't need that in these movies. What, what you're talking about, mm-hmm. you don't need that in these movies. You All you need is Qui-Gon's intuition, yeah. and we would have trusted him. They never did before, by the way, which right. is like Darth right. Vader flies up right. behind Luke and is like, the Force is strong with this yeah. one. And we go, yep, intuition. He, he just yeah. knows. So I don't know why we needed it. And, and I, I think you would and agree I, that I it's an unnecessary I completely addition. agree. Yeah. It's a thing that, that has – George Lucas apparently had the idea for midichlorians in 1977 sure. or earlier – that uh-huh. they were, they just found, they just sort of fell out of the draft of Star Wars. So he's definitely had this idea for a long time. I think he liked that there's a biological component. For me, the reason I don't mind it is exactly the stuff we were talking about yeah. with the Jedi, which is like, why did the Jedi demystify it for themselves in a way? Like, right. why, why did they sit here and use science and blood tests to determine which Jedi they would train? Yeah. That's sort of part of their downfall. It feels, I think the best way to describe it for me in this point. moment is that George Lucas thought it was wizard. 
I think he thought it was just super cool. And that he, uh, that he just like, he, I, I, I hear where you're coming from. I don't, my umbrage. His, his last point's a great point. You don't think that that's a his last bit point's of a, a great. This point. is me assuming intent on George Lucas's yeah, part. Yeah, no, it's a gr- is, it's a great point. So I didn't mean to be the Jedi, dismissive of said point. No, no, I just the I, Jedi, Jedi turned it into math. I do. Yeah, I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to underplay it, yeah. that. That's interesting to me. The idea that when they actually engaged with you know a, a metric through which to to measure how Jedi ish you are, mm-hmm. it never it couldn't have possibly steered them more wrong. It killed them all. Like and, and I do like that about these that they are so relentlessly wrong. Palpatine is right in front of their nose. Like it's just like. But, but I think we all agree that it's not mutually exclusive here. That I think you could have said the force is strong with this one and had the same effect. You 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 could have had the same effect and you could have avoided twenty years of a bad argument. <laughs> yeah. But um, which it is, it's a bad argument and, ultimately. And Ten minutes of this podcast, but. Like so much of this movie, Eric has made me see it in a new way. And I do have a little more respect for it than I did I, a second ago. I fully – I absolutely agree. I really do. I think that, you know. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. If nothing else, we will leave this podcast, I think, with more respect for Lucas as to what his intent was, hopefully, maybe. We also need to read that tweet that you sent me yesterday. Um, not about Lucas. Not about we Lucas, absolutely but we will. should read that. Yes. Okay. Uh, pod race. Dope. It's dope. It's great. Uh, there's there is some, and and we talked about this uh, last weekend as well. I think that they inserted some special edition stuff into it, or like a remastered edition. So there's a bunch of like cuts to janky low res shots that I'm not entirely sure why they're there. But if you remove those or whatever. It's pretty amazing. I think the pod race looks fucking awesome. What did your kids think of the pod race out of curiosity? Um, honestly, it was really weird. They didn't think it made any sense. <laughs> okay. So they couldn't. Fair. Yeah, they couldn't. They, they, You're like a nine-year-old. <laughs> yeah, they didn't think possibly it. Possibly pilot but, this pod. I mean, Rollins, my son, was like absolutely angry about the pod race. He's like, it doesn't make any sense. Why, why, did, they, why, why did he cheat? He, they couldn't figure out why. Who the, the that, oh, that, that guy. Qui-Gon cheats on the dice? No, the other oh, yeah. guy. Uh, Scrupulous. Oh, Sebulba. Sebulba. Unscrupulous. Sorry. Unscrupulous. He was like, why was he cheating? It doesn't make any sense. It's not fair. It's, the whole thing just didn't – there's something about it that didn't, didn't really compute for them, and they definitely didn't sit there thinking it was cool. Interesting. And for that, I thought it was cool. I thought it was that, so cool I did that not I think played that video cool game either. forever. Oh, my God. I had that yeah. video game. Yeah. That video game is so good. We'll have to get them on the pod to ask them about – what yeah, they, what they I would like to but do. But I, I, I was yeah. very surprised that they thought that they liked Solo more. That's no. interesting. No. Uh, 
so we got a Jabba the Hutt cameo. Jabba looks fucking terrible. He's looked <laughs> terrible for a while. He let himself go. <laughs> <laughs> well, the effects on Jabba are pretty rough. Yeah. I don't like CGI Jabba. Jabba. And, I, I mean, you remember CGI from the, the special, special edition. edition is yeah, it's awful. That when he actually is... moves, it's disgusting. Oh, my God. It's terrible. Uh, the pod race I thought was cool. I like the sand people being assholes and shooting at the pods. <laughs> That was fun. This is your one. There's the one cameo that <laughs> that is referenced in Solo to get there, right? There's one yeah. lap when the Padres are coming around up on a like, yeah. watching from above. We do like an overhead shot, and in the foreground, as Anakin's pod racer like races by below, is a woman in a red jumpsuit, oh, right. white skin. She's got like a red ponytail, and that is Aura Singh, which uh-huh. not mentioned in the movie or anything, but she's in a bunch of comic books and okay. books and all that stuff. That is who Lando thinks uh, thanks uh, Beckett for killing in Solo. <laughs> Get your little Easter egg. That's your solo Ooh. solo connection number one. Oh, that is you gotta really want it. That's what I mean. Do you think that's a Lord Miller? Do you think that's a I, John Casden? Who, who puts that in? I think that's a John Casden. It's hard to say, but it feels. I I, I respect that. I don't. It's a real. it's a pull. it's it's a way. It's a way to do fan service without hurting the movie as a whole. Yeah. yeah. Uh, as is honestly, as is Darth Maul. Though we will we'll have to we'll talk, talk about, about that in a second because I forgot how he died. Uh, so they're definitively <laughs> is the answer. <laughs> yes. Anakin wins the pod I, race and is set free by Watto. Uh, Anakin's mom is way too chill about Qui Gon just taking her kid. But I and this comes back to what I said earlier. I just don't think the mom gets you anything. I think the performance is great, um, but I just think when everything is said and done, all this stuff on Tatooine could have been pop flashes and it would have been I just do, fine. I do, and I don't necessarily disagree, but I do think that the scene where Anakin says goodbye to Shmi is a, nice is a good scene and is the scene where Jake Lloyd is the best. The best, yeah, for and, sure. And actually convincing and, and actually like, it feels very good in that moment, which is the scene that's the most important to the movie. Like, yeah. that that's the scene that is the movie, and... That's that one. Jake Lloyd works. So. Qui Gon tells the Jedi Council about Anakin and his desire to train him as a Jedi. Um, Sam Jackson is clearly being given no direction <laughs> and is just sort of doing whatever he wants. Mm-hmm. Um, the floating Senate looks fucking dope. It's great. Uh, it does. It got a lot of grief for being boring, but it is. But it's it's like surprisingly some of the best stuff all now. the production design it's obvious Doug Chang's drawing yeah. this stuff yeah. and it's, it's amazing and it, it, was it in the next movie or the movie after where there's the big fight in the Senate that's the third the one Sith. that's the third one that's yeah. a very cool scene yeah it's great yeah. so it's, it's well it's well established um, in this movie as a great setting for a Absolutely. great battle. that's great yeah, yeah. Um, love the E.T. cameo <laughs> sure yeah oh, where is E.T.? E.T.'s, like, in the bottom corner in one of the bunch of things. There's a bunch, a bunch of, of little E.T.'s. Oh, like, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, the part, my, of, a, part yeah. of a galaxy far, far away. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's like that R2-D2 Anakin... and C-3PO in The Last Crusade, like, carved in the wall. Oh, right. Um, or the fertility idol in Solo God. that's in the background of that shot These guys prominently. are such circle jerks. <laughs> so much circle jerks. Jesus, we get it. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> you, guys, you guys used to play poker. Yeah, like, yeah. Other Hawaii um, trips and stuff. So yeah. Anakin is brought in front of the Jedi Council. Uh, he guesses what's on a computer screen Fun, and the it's Jedi funny, Council is it's like, It's funny okay, they cool. never include Scorsese stuff in that, you know? Wow. Because like, yeah. like that, that was the same crew. 
the, yeah. That crew was the Raging Bulls and uh, well, it's Coppola and uh, Brian De Palma and De Palma, and, Scorsese, yeah. and uh, Lucas and Spielberg, and I think Howard is also part of that crew. Wasn't the it was De Palma's idea to do the crawl and Star he wrote Wars it. and yeah. wrote the he's crawl? like you got to fucking yeah. do a crawl and no one's gonna know what the hell's going on. Yeah, yeah uh, that's literally his biggest contribution to cinema. And I'm 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 being glib. I'm also being honest. Uh, Anakin's brought in front of the Jedi Council. He guesses. Do what's we on. have a De Palma movie? We don't. Mm. We don't. Too bad. Uh, Anakin guesses what's on a computer screen, and they're like, "Cool, you're good. A ship, a cup, and a speeder, <laughs> and you're you're in. You're in. No, it's, no, they're it's out. Not a actually, actually, they do not approve it. Actually, it is an iPod. It is an iPad. It's an he iPad. invented yeah, the yeah, iPad. Yeah. <laughs> so deserves credit for that. Uh, and now we're basically the Gungan army. Looks fucking awesome. I thought that whole battle looked pretty great. Uh, it's very smart that they have technology that they are not primitive that they have technology but it's very in touch with nature it's very organic it's very underwater it's cool and like I said earlier I think the final 30 minutes of this movie is pretty great the cross cutting of the four storylines works really well I here's my own it's not my only thing I just the kid getting behind a fucking spaceship just like blowing stuff up in space is just like I get that you want the kid to be doing this but you're just like and I know it's a droid ship so he's not killing anybody but then he does kill the viceroys and those people but I, I or aliens. I just it's just a little too cute. It's just like look, Anakin's flying a ship with R two, and it's just I don't yeah. know. At that point, you're already cross cutting with you kind of the duel, and at that point, he's got to be involved. And and yet again, that's probably another reason why you don't write it for a nine year old when yeah. you can easily have written it for a fifteen year old. I know. Uh, duel of the Fates is top notch. John Williams, mm-hmm. like one of the best scores he's done. Like he showed the fuck up for this. Oh, yeah. Not that he doesn't he always have show. Believe easily... it or not, the biggest movie of all time, he shows up. But it was, it's, it's a, I mean, it's just, it's great. Shit. The scores across all of these prequels. Yeah. Like, Attack of the Clones has Across the Stars, which is a phenomenal piece of music. I think Battle of the Heroes and Revenge of the Sith. Like, there's a bunch of great John Williams tracks. Like, um, really I, I think Darth Maul does Qui-Gon dirty by hitting him in the face and then stabbing him. I that, think that's a pretty dirty move. That's the part. That's the part I really love is there's three looks that happen in that scene. And yeah. one of them is the scene when like you can tell Qui-Gon's fighting like as hard as he possibly could yeah. it's amazing and then Darth Maul completely shrugs it off does like a, yeah. a twirl of the lightsaber and Qui-Gon just looks at him like what are, what are you, you? Yeah. and then you which is see... kind of how the audience has looked at him you yeah, absolutely never seen lightsaber fighting like nothing that whatsoever awesome. and it was all that Ray Park wushu stuff which is awesome and it's dope and then you have the look of absolute love like a son's love for his father from <laughs> Obi-Wan on the other side of the laser door and then you have another one right before Qui-Gon dies. There's a, they cut to Obi-Wan mm-hmm. who reacts before it happens. And just like a bit of like a Jedi premonition that he uh-huh. knows Qui-Gon's going to die. Yeah. And then it happens, which I think is a really cool choice. Yeah. It's a fun editing choice to have Obi-Wan's reaction happen before. Yes. Which is a lot going on in that scene. I thought all that stuff looked great. Um, so he stabs him. And then uh, you've got. It was, it was more like a shiv. He shivs him. Well, yeah. <laughs> it's like a prison. And then you've got, like, you've got this great moment when we cut back to Obi-Wan pacing. Shanks him. Pacing like some sort of a, you know, a wild animal that's just yeah. waiting. Uh, like a caged he, fighter. Yeah, and yeah. he comes out just fucking, you know, and then he chops his lightsaber in two, which is Rad. awesome. Uh, they have a great fight. They go for it. It's so much faster than the rest of the fight. It He's, is. He great. becomes Obi-Wan in that moment. He really does. And then he, he kills Darth Maul. He, he slices him in half. One would think he's probably dead for good. Seems definitive. Seems like he's a dead guy, wouldn't you say, Kenny? Yeah, that's what I was saying. I'm trying. I was when I saw him at the end of Solo. 
I couldn't really. I I, I remember him falling down that chute. <laughs> I don't remember falling down that chute in two pieces. I don't know how much I like this move out of Solo, especially because when Solo takes place, takes place before four. We know that he's not coming back in any significant way. It's really yeah. just a, it's just a, it's just this little cute little it's fan little service thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, I I've not watched the animated show yeah. where where Darth shows it back up with robot legs and he comes, and yeah, he comes back oh. in the Clone Wars cartoon. Which is part of this whole right? They made okay. They made most of the expanded universe and cartoon. Everything else that had come out Wait. no longer canon. Clone Wars and Rebels still in this same canonical so, universe. All right, so and Darth Maul came back for those. All right, so now this is really stupid. So huge fans of the series, that was not a surprise. Casual fans of the series, that was a bad surprise. Yeah. <laughs> I I went to see it with my girlfriend, who sort of just turned to me and went like, I'm, "I thought Obi Wan killed him." Yeah. <laughs> Yes, if you've only seen the live action films, that is what you. Believe. It's just not. It's here's what I'll say. Though I like the idea of robot legs. I like the idea of robot legs. I like the idea of in the Obi Wan movie because Obi Wan kills Darth Maul for good again in a future in in this series, right? In the animated series, yeah, right. So the idea that in in a future Obi Wan installment of that we get to see that that come to fruition that's cool but they had their rematch on rebels so i don't know what that looks like in a kenobi movie like they had another oh. like an old ben kenobi versus darth maul lightsaber battle in the cartoon so you're either going to redo that for live action that's my guess or you're going to say that didn't actually happen yeah, and it's not canonical anymore so wait I don't know. his I don't his know. robot I don't understand his <laughs> robot legs do they look like uh what do they look like they look like Captain Lieutenant Dan's. <laughs> they like, a little. Just, they he, he just hits it with a cane and just, <laughs> click, magic click, legs. They're not. They're not completely humanoid. I'm kind of blanking on what they look. So like. my, they're a little. They're a little spidery, but they're not fully. They're, he's upright. So like, my he's not, like, son on wheels has a Lego Darth Maul. Who I told Phil I couldn't mm-hmm. figure out why Darth Maul back yeah. on the shelves, but he is. And, <laughs> and it's not a Lego. It's not like a, it's. It's not a. Uh, it's not one of those little little Lego pieces. One of those big Legos. You know uh-huh. what I mean? Like those mm. figures. Those those twelve inch figures. Sure. And he has real legs. Oh. So it's a throwback Darth Maul. Bit of a cheat. Bit of a cheat. You might be a nineties kid if you love. <laughs> So, um, Lego so basically, you know, we, we think that Darth Maul is dead, and up until two weeks ago, he was. Yeah, but so he's not anymore. Later on in the movie, they ask, but which was destroyed? The Master or the Apprentice? And apparently it's neither. neither. <laughs> uh, what's the glowing orb at the end? <laughs> That's uh, peace? Uh, yeah, and then he just goes, Okay, but what I do like is, and I, I, uh, this, the song at the end, the song that the band is playing at the end, which I, which is the Imperial March. I've never been crazy like, about. It's called Augie's Great Municipal Band. That's like that's cool. what it's called on the the CD of uh-huh. of, of the soundtrack. Uh-huh. But it is there's some disagreement about this but my favorite fun fact from episode one is when you listen to it it's the emperor's theme from return of the jedi but in a major key because palpatine has won because he's sort of gotten Mm -hmm. what he wanted and we go out of the movie you know like we go out of the scene right before the celebration on palpatine's face they sort of just do if you listen to the choral parts of that last song in phantom menace it's the emperor's theme in a major key which i think is that's interesting that's really really cool it's real smart um we're, we're at the end now um, so my question is this: Let's. I, what I'd like to do is let's sort of talk just prequel, and by that I mean putting Phantom Menace next to Solo, and just saying like they're both doing prequels in different ways. 
as I was watching Solo, I I found myself thinking, I kind of wish that the prequels had been like this. Now, I'm not saying I, I, I don't. Okay, but but hear me out. I just I mean in the sense okay, that Okay, sure. <laughs> I, I I mean in the sense that it it was more emotionally satisfying for me to check boxes like they did in Solo a little bit. As simple and as lazy as that can be, it had more of an emotional resonance with me than throwing me in the deep end of whatever you want to call the prequels. They just don't feel satisfying in the same way that Solo did. And I'm not even saying Solo is a great movie. Like when we get to our ranks, it's low on my list. But I just, do you sort of know what I'm, what I'm getting at here? Like they yes. both stepped Han in, in Solo different ways. Re, and Solo really wants to give you what you want. Yeah. And it really wants to give you what you're expecting. It wants yeah. to give you that first meeting between Han and Chewie. It wants to show Han win the Millennium Falcon from Lando. Like it wants to show you all that stuff. Yeah. And it, and it's, marginally successful at times that's not what like i go to star wars specifically to be thrown in the deep end because i sort of like right. that they don't stop too right. and it really is just a that's salt fair. to taste thing like i really like that a new hope is just like who's this who's this now who are these two robots who's this lady who just put the plans in them like right. what is you don't like, want your hand held in a star there's wars movie. no hand holding to to its credit all of these movies for the most part Jenny? just throw you in um i see the value of both um, I th- perhaps there was a middle ground. <laughs> yeah, well, I I guess that's just kind of what I'm trying to say. Like, Solo is a different thing. Solo exists specifically to tell the backstory of a character we already know. Mm-hmm. Um, Menace is trying to do something else. It's trying to right. give you an entirely new trilogy. So and perspective on its villain and uh, yeah. genre almost like it is. It is very like here is a yeah. here's palace intrigue. Yeah, I mean political and, and, thriller, and, and that's true for Solo stuff. too, right? Yeah. Solo's a heist movie. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I don't know if it's a particularly successful heist movie, but it's it's a heist movie. That is really what yeah. it's trying to do. So I think um, uh, the, the, you know we we said in the podcast, the Anna and the King podcast, that turned into a Star Wars podcast. <laughs> that I I really did want to see <laughs> more. Uh, movie set in the Star Wars universe yeah. that weren't explicitly about saving the universe, oh, yeah. which whole, which Solo is. Yes. Solo is the first movie they've made which is not explicitly about the fate of the universe. It's almost the first one where they don't even ignite a lightsaber until Darth Maul uh, right. feels the need to remind you he is Darth Maul and ignites and I, his yeah, lightsaber. Yeah, and I do like and I do like that yeah. to some extent. I think that's part of why I liked Solo. Yeah. I think now that they've dipped their toe in those waters, they're going to make more movies like that so. that are just kind of set in this world and just kind of cool. It's a different thing set aside. I agree um, with you when you brought that up in the and in the King episode. Like I, I, I fully agree that I would just like to see stories that exist in the universe of Star Wars that don't have yeah. these astronomically high stakes. Yeah. That's kind of what's great, weirdly, about Empire Strikes Back. Like yeah. it is still galactic in its scale. That's true. I never thought about it. But it is that the way. movie of the three of those that is the smallest. It's very, very human stakes. Yeah, it is about not that. a big yeah. climax. Yeah. Um, all right, I have one more. Are we, before we do our rankings, yeah, yeah. Please, I, I please. assume that's where you were yeah, going. That's where I was going to go. Uh, I do have a question about um, viewing order. Now, I've already blown <laughs> this with my children. I'll tell you what I did. I oh did <laughs> just all over the place. I no, I did. I did yes, all over the place. Actually, <laughs> I did f- four, five, six, sure, seven, eight. Now I'm doing one. Now I just did one, and I have not done two or three yet. And 
Solo was before one, but just barely. Um, th- that was mostly because I thought one, two, and three were total pieces of shit, and I didn't want to show it to them. I didn't even right. want to sit through them myself. Sit, sit through them myself. Yeah. But if you were to do it for your kids, um, what order would you put them in? I'm I'm I will say that if it was me, I would do them in the order, in the order that they were released. Same. It might start to change now that there are so many filling in that gap between you know episode three yeah. and four. Like maybe yeah. like as that goes on, you would do like four, five, six, and then do like one, two, three, and then get rogue your rogue, and, rogue and one rogue and, one and your solo. your solo and your rogue one, and maybe. Yeah. But for, for like. Based on what I, they've released now, I'd go release order. I just think that, for personally speaking, I think that the and, – and maybe this actually just speaks to your point. If you did show them in order, if you did episode 1, 2, 3, then Rogue One, then Solo, then 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, um, I think that maybe the bridge that Solo and, and, uh, and Rogue One create might actually make it less jarring going I think, into – I think- Technically, yeah. solos before Rogue One. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But I was just, but, but I yes, just I think it, it kind of bridges you to the more modern yeah. sensibilities. Right. So I, the other ones. But then I also think to myself that there's something so, you know, beautifully nostalgic about these movies that were made in the 70s and early 80s that on some level I feel like you kind of need to see it from inception point. There's but, a lot about the prequels especially yeah. that as much as they want to be the first episodes in the trilogy yeah. – kind of assume you've seen the other ones like they don't bother to stop and tell you what a lightsaber is yeah they don't have that beautiful moment mm-hmm. of kind of explaining and, and not that that explanation is necessarily necessary yeah but it does help if you have the weight of having seen them and know that this kid grows up to be darth vader i stuff. will absolutely make the argument for doing it well the, the other version you i'm sure you guys have heard of machete order yeah um which i think there's value to though it seems a little too cute I'll make the I, I you guys are bought in, but the argument for doing four, five, whatever, mm-hmm. you have to preserve the secret above all else. Yeah, yeah. because I saw the look on my fucking kids' oh, face. Did you get? Yeah, did you get the reaction? Yes. Like you got when they're like, "Oh, oh my god, Darth Vader is his father. It is fucking. <laughs> it is. It is worth it on a level you wouldn't believe. That's it's I'm everything so, you want." I am so glad to know this. that they're like that. Still works. Oh, like, it, that still. It, they yeah. had no idea. I, what, it, awesome. it wasn't. It wasn't. We, they didn't get it from pop culture anywhere else, so that will be ruined for you if you go one, two, three. Four. Yeah, you, that's so, the main thing. That's that's like, that's awesome. So it's that's worth. Awesome. Yeah. By the way, Machete Order is four, five, two, three, six. This is before the prequels or the or the standalones. Yeah, it excludes one. Yeah, and the argument is nothing that happens in one is of any consequence. And there's how do you feel, Eric? Pretty valid argument, I think. But I mean, if you if you're all about the plot of these, then, yeah, what you care about is the Clone War. What you care about is is Anakin getting his limbs chopped off and becoming Darth Vader. I think episode one is my favorite prequel. So and it's for a lot of people, it's episode three. But, you know, for me, I I think this is actually the one that like fares best as a movie on its own. Um, I'm more likely to rewatch some of the others because I just can plug it in and watch the action sequences. But right. but I really like Phantom Menace as a movie. But yeah, like if you're just going to tell the story of what happened, yeah. this is a lot less necessary to the overall saga. You want to do our rankings? Let's do our rankings. You want to go first, Kenny? Sure, I'd love to. 
Um, let's just pull up my phone, pull up my rankings. My rankings are as follows. Dun, da, da, da. <laughs> Empire Strikes Back because I'm not an idiot. Yeah. A New Hope. Force Awakens. Return of the Jedi. The Last Jedi. Solo. Revenge of the Sith. Phantom Menace. A million other movies I've seen. Attack of the Clones. A million other movies I've seen. Rogue One, which is the only Star Wars movie I actively did not like. That's my answer. Um, I will do mine. Empire Strikes Back, A New Hope, The Last Jedi, Return of the Jedi, The Force Awakens, Revenge of the Sith, Rogue One, Solo, Attack of the Clones, Phantom Menace. Boom! This movie is your least favorite. Wow. Yeah. I'm sorry. Okay. No. Here's, Listen, here's what I'll say, we're though. We're all friends. Wait, wait, wait let's, let's get Eric's first, yeah, okay, then, we'll do, then we'll do it. This, folks at home, was written in a blind panic because I forgot <laughs> we were ranking these, and I feel like every time I write these down, I change them. Uh, Empire Strikes Back, mm-hmm. A New Hope, mm-hmm. The Force Awakens, Return of the Jedi, The Phantom Menace. Wow. The Last wow. Jedi. Wow. And those, I think, if you ask me tomorrow or an hour from now, might flop. But somewhere in there, okay. I think there's some movement. Uh, the Last Jedi, uh, Revenge of the Sith, Rogue One, Solo, Attack of the Clones. Here's what I'll say, and this speaks to what you're talking about. Like, for me, Rogue One and Solo are basically interchangeable. Like, those could flop. Um, I, I really thought Rogue One was mind-numbingly boring. I don't really like it, but I, I so much. I I really like Diego Luna in it. I really I think it's it, okay. I I I've tried to watch it several times since, and I can't get through it. So that's not a great sign. I just get really bored, and it, I just. It, but you know, Solo is the type of thing too, where it's like it's fresh in my head, and it's it's more of like a popcorn movie to me. Like I could see myself. I don't know if I'll ever buy Solo, but like if it's on. I'll probably check I can it see out myself again. rewatching it. Rogue. And maybe rewatching it a little sooner than a Rogue One, which I th- I think I like better than Solo. I really like right. Rogue One. I really like the but, reveal of what they're doing. Yeah. Uh and I respect the movie for that. Yeah. And that's it. Because it's so boring. To it's me. a pretty boring movie. I I mean I I like The Force Awakens, and and honestly, it might move up. And my it's it's weird; it changes how I feel about it. Can't say t- enough great things about it. I love really, it. I love I it. loved it when it came out. I watched it twice. I thought it was a fucking great movie. It fell in my esteem in a weird way. I think in a post Rogue One world, I just was kind of like, I don't really like this that much. Then I watched it again before Last Jedi, and I was like, Oh wait, this movie's a lot of fun. I, I don't really know what I was it. thinking. Yeah. So I do really like it. He, he shoots just, the shit out of it. Ray's so. I mean, yeah introducing ray wordlessly for so long i yeah. mean it's just a great scene yeah. and there's so much in no, there that's a great movie I, i'm not I so mean, much to love there i mean attack they of do the find clones a and, death star at the attack end. of the clones and phantom menace are, are also kind of tied for me in terms of how i i just and again like there's still star wars movies and you said this to me i, I think you said this to me last year or something we we're just like there's star wars movies like on some level they'll always be kind of great because they exist in a universe that i love being a part of so i don't hate them i just I think that Attack of the Clones has just a little bit more meat on it for me in terms of just some big, crazy action scenes. They, that and, and when they were coming out, yeah. like in 2002, I was like, yeah. Attack of the Clones is better than The Phantom Menace. Yeah. It's only in hindsight that sure. I feel a little better about The Phantom Menace and, you know, sort of realize more of the yeah. shortcomings of Attack of the Clones. I think is- on rewatch, I would like Attack of the Clones more. The thing that I, I think so. took away from Phantom Menace was how much I like 
being in George Lucas's Star Wars world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and that's and that's actually why I, I never thought I didn't think I liked Return of the Jedi when I I, I always thought basically I'm gonna give my, my stupid hot take, which isn't true, that there was only one great Star Wars movie and everything else is just kind of good. But that's not true. There's there's one perfect Star Wars movie and everything else is kinda great. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Um and I think that Return of the Jedi always got shit on by everybody, and I was one of those people who was shit on, and immediately, like, you know, I would, I, five years ago, I would have put Revenge of the Sith above it. Right. I, I, I'm wrong. Yeah. Like, that's my, like, Return yeah. of the Jedi, that, that world, that's, that's in my heart. You know, even fucking Endor, that's in my heart. Yeah. It's yeah. So, yeah. It's kind um, of a soft spot for Ewoks, even. There's just something magical about the George Lucas ones in particular, which is not to take, obviously, The Force Awakens is super high on my list. But they're just endlessly imaginative. Whenever like, you're in a guy, fucking like redwood forest, you feel like you're in fucking yes, Endor, you know? And that like, guy <laughs> just had like George Lucas just has an imagination that is boundless true. and true. that didn't stop for the prequels. Sure. Uh so zero to ninety nine. You know how this goes, Eric. I do. Um what was your zero to ninety nine on the Phantom Menace in nineteen ninety nine? Well, now you're telling me I would have seen the Matrix already. If if this you would have seen if the we're Matrix. saying if we're saying a '99 for me at the time would have been the original trilogy, which I was crazy about, sure. which I had grown up on, mm-hmm. then this was a '95 sure. to me or okay. something. It was definitely not. I did not like it as much as the original trilogy, but it was very high for me when I was ten. Okay, and when you came in here today before our podcast, where what's your number for the Phantom Menace? 80 early 80s somewhere early 80s <laughs> okay, 80 so 80 80 and then post podcast have we changed your opinion in any way shape or form about this film probably not no, i mean look i yeah <laughs> you're so baked in i it's hate like... boss nass <laughs> you heard it here first <laughs> so, okay so he's giving it an 80 uh kenny i'm gonna go go uh in 1999 i probably would have given this film a 95 i was just like you well not just like you but i was very very excited about this movie loved it thought it was great didn't have any problems with it uh before we sat down for this podcast i would have given this a 35 after this podcast though gulp i, I That's do solo that was not a pun on purpose i swear <laughs> to god what would you have given solo uh i'd give solo like a 50 okay um but you have changed my mind on a bunch of things. I think that both of you have in terms of just sort of making me look at it through a different lens a little bit. And also just, um, I think we successfully tried to crawl inside George Lucas's head a little bit, which helped me get a little perspective on it. It's hard, but yeah. Um, I, I would, I would, I'm, I would give this film probably now, um, a 49. Interesting. I would actually, if I'm being honest, I, let me. I, I actually think this is over a fifty, and I think I'd probably put Solo a little higher. I would recommend watching The Phantom Menace. I'm not a person who wouldn't recommend watching it. I wouldn't say don't go and see a Star Wars movie ever because, like, whatever, they're fucking fun. Um, this just this movie is a, a, a bit of a bummer for me. The last the last forty minutes that were great, yeah. and the pod race is cool. It's great. He called that. Uh, he called that fight scene uh, a, a little fight thing. By the way, in the commentary, <laughs> sure, the little fight thing little sure. fight is thing. the last thirty minutes. Sure. Kenny, um, in ninety nine, I think it was about a ninety. I think there was just. I mean, I was so into it, but there was this little twinge sure. of disappointment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
Um, e- I, I kind of want to give a second viewing ranking because okay. I because I, I d- it definitely wasn't just like the, the trajectory of this wasn't ninety. Then like what I'm going to give it now was ninety. Then like thirty, right? Like I saw it like like eighteen months later, and I'm like. Oh my god! I'm so blind. All, all the horrible <laughs> shit in this movie. Uh-huh. So I, I think that's important. Um, I put down. Uh, you know, I like to stick with what I had be, had be going into okay. the room. Fifty eight was what I had coming into this room. Okay. Um, after this, uh, you know, it's a seventy five. Oh my god! Um, I love it. So many of my, so many, so many. I mean, because I certainly don't like it less, oh and so God. many things happen over the course of this podcast that made me see the light. The light, <laughs> what a force! It made me see the force. Um, and and I, uh, I really, really, I think it's a really important, well done, need to see it kind of movie, and I, I, I feel that way about every movie in this uh, in this series except Rogue One, which you only need to see the last. 15 minutes of. Um, Phil, I want to read the thing. Yes, please do. I just want to read it. Yeah, read, I don't, it. read it without context. All right. This came from Twitter. Some of you may have read this. Um, I sent I, it to you, Eric. You've seen it. I, I just kind of want... Oh, is this the thing? I, I just kind of want Eric's take on know. it as a member of Star Wars Nation. This is by at Bobby Roberts PDX. He writes, First, you charge the guy with ruining your childhood. Then you never let him forget it. There's even a documentary. Then he sells his company, and you're like, yes, maybe it'll be good again. But you're also like, now Mickey Mouse will just ruin it, even though you just spent 10 years complaining about how he, it how ruined it is. And the it in question is a family-filled series about space wizards. <laughs> so the person he handpicked to run the studio starts running it, and she starts immediately making billions with well-received films. But there are too many girls, and it doesn't feel special to you anymore, so you don't like it. And you start talking about how the old guy should come back, even though he likes the movie she's making, the ones he helped create before selling it, which you were happy about. And now you hate the woman when you're not erasing her by blaming a cartoon mouse for not being the guy that you, that you chased off for ruining your childhood. And then she makes another movie and gets the star of the old guy's first big success to direct and goes way over budget making sure that guy sticks to the script. Unlike the first guy she hired, they're all guys, by the way, the guys you didn't like until she fired them for not sticking to the script. The script's about a guy's guy from the first movie, the guy who lives in his car with his dog. (laughs) (laughs) The script written by a father-son team, the father who helped write all the old guy's best movies. And she releases it on the anniversary that apparently defines your childhood, and it disappoints at the box office, and you cheer because she gave you what you wanted and you threw it on the ground. So because she catered to your specific tastes, whatever they are right now, and those tastes weren't rewarded, she needs to quit. And they need to bring back the old guy, the one you hated 10 years ago for ruining your childhood, which apparently is never ending. Yeah. What do you think, Eric? (laughs) There is a segment of the Star Wars fandom that is exactly like that. That is unpleasable. And it is is crazy because in my experience, that, that has... I've been to Star Wars conventions. I, you know, made a Star Wars fan film and we saw the comments on it. Like, in my experience, most Star Wars fans are so fucking positive and there's such a community of people. And they, But then there's those ones who are just like a girl in Star Wars. And I can't, I can't believe it. Like, yeah, I know. I certainly, like, know that there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of people of color. There's not a lot of women in the original trilogy. 
not a lot in these prequels, but yeah. you know, like this is it's crazy to me. It's crazy the yo-yoing yeah. back and forth and then not knowing what you want. And to me, it's just you can't go home again. You cannot recapture we just how have that music fucking forward. Like we have to find a way to move forward. It's Otherwise, the... I think the series is just is going to die. I it's just... the Star Wars logo thing. It's the it's the that hit the was not working scene. for people because you cannot recapture yeah, how you yeah. felt about Star Wars the first time you saw it. And there were people who will never be pleased with. I, I just I, agree with I, I think Bobby Robert PDX. Was that his name? That was his name. Uh, did a great job he of did. speaking to a very small slice of the of the Star Wars yeah. fandom that has been amplified by Twitter and specifically by good people on Twitter who are trying to only do good. But I wish across all across all in, in across all arenas. I don't really know the right metaphor. We would stop amplifying these fucking trolls. One hundred percent. And by the way, like I don't want to take. I don't want to lump in the people who just go, I didn't like The Last Jedi because I thought Canto Bite was weird. Like, I don't want to say that people who had real justifiable, perhaps, problems with the new movies to be like, you're a sexist then. That must mean you don't want well, Ray to be yeah. the star. And that's not the same thing because this is a very different specific set of well, fans We're painting with very broad brushes, unfortunately, and and – you know, this is just kind of the it's it's this is the landscape we live in right now. But I'm I'm hopeful that you know we'll figure it out. We won't. <laughs> as long as Twitter's around, we won't. Um, it's there's this it, it, there's this this need yeah to to defend yourselves, defend things you love against the assholes. That's why that's why we know names like I don't even know how to spell his name, how to say his name, but like. Fucking Charlie Kirk or fucking Jack well, Probosiak or whatever his name yeah. is. Or all these or or you know, Tommy Lauren or Candace Owens. That's why we know these people's names because good people that we follow and like I hate amplified I hate that we know those they people's names. Amplified yeah. these voices that exist just to piss it's us true. off. It's they true. should they should not be names that we've ever heard. I agree and that. these arguments, just like the Ghostbusters arguments, just like all the just like the Ocean's Day arguments we're gonna get next week, should not be heard. They are the arguments of the deplorables. All right. That's it. Yeah. On that, what a on great that note to end Speaking up. of a deplorable movie, yeah. next week on Buck. Oh, I, <laughs> I don't think it's a deplorable movie, and I think that you guys were jerks about it. But um, <laughs> um, next week we're doing. You the, amplified what's, our what's, voices. What's next week? Um, we're doing the Thomas Crown Affair next week. Oh. With two jerks. With three jerks. <laughs> You're one of them. I think I wrote a paper um, on that in film school. <laughs> With three jerks. Three jerks next week. Uh, uh, two showrunners and me. Stacey Traub, Hunter Covington, and Kenny. Um, and yeah, I mean, what are your thoughts on the Thomas Crown Affair? If you, you know, briefly. It's been a while since I've seen it. Yeah. I loved it at the time. I didn't see it in the on the big screen. I rented it with my friend Alex and we watched it. Mm-hmm. Distinctly remember it. He was James Bond that same year. Sure. I loved Pierce Brosnan at the time. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, yeah. It's, I, I think that uh, I think it was unfairly maligned on our episode. But I like uh, the Sinner Man stuff at the end. I think the painting theft is. It's going to be a hell. Of, it's a hell of a podcast. It's with, a fun podcast. With a it's bunch a really of fun guests, podcast. and and that actually is a movie that we do fix. So we tune in for it. the fix. We did tune in for the fix. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, you're on Twitter. What's your Twitter handle? At Eric T Carrasco. Um, and I am PM Iskov on Twitter and on Instagram. Kenny's at Nybart and, um, 
we have a po- uh, sorry uh, Twitter account for our podcast, which is at podcast like nineteen ninety nine. So please follow us there. Uh, rate, review, subscribe on whatever platforms you are listening to us on. And uh, next week, Tom Scranton. Even though this was a three hour podcast, I still feel like it's like a Kevin Smith podcast. I, I just feel like we left so much on the table. Like there's so much we I could got keep going. Nine pages of notes from this all right. Let's movie keep going from the <laughs> just, for for podcast. Just kidding. just kidding, Eric. Thanks, God. Thank I love so Star Wars. Come back for uh, James Bond if you want. You, rules not enough. You want to come on? You it's yours. you can't get it away from me. All right. Um, thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Bye. Podcast like it. Just podcast like it. Podcast like it's 1999. Podcast like it. You want a podcast like it? Podcast like it's 1999. Podcast like it. Podcast like it's. Podcast like it's 1999. Podcast like it. You want a podcast like it's 1999. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.